Welcome to this Pure Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.purevoice.com forward slash KNG. This independent learning activity is funded by Bayer Incorporated. Today we're going to be talking about a case of metastatic prostate cancer. A patient who has had prior androgen deprivation therapy is now becoming castrate resistant and has been on an ARPI. And we'd like to look at the treatment options for this patient and important considerations in terms of choice of a treatment. At a recent visit, your patient, Greg, complained of some pain in his leg. His lab results also showed a rise in his PSA levels. He has now undergone a CT and bone scan to restage his prostate adenocarcinoma, and he is coming today to discuss the results and next steps in treatment. To ask the patient a question, tap the prompt below. When they reply, you'll be able to ask follow-up questions and review other relevant information. If we look at the management guidelines for MCRPC, first-line therapy is typically ARPI, for example, aparadrone and prednisone or enzalutamide. At second-line therapy, we would need to know whether the patient B is eligible for agents such as a lap rib. Our patient did not have a BRAC mutation, so the patient was not eligible. So typically then we're looking at either the chemotherapy agent docetaxel or the radioisotope radium-223. Both the chemotherapy as well as radium-223 are options in that patient with bone metastasis without visceral metastases. In a patient who is progressing on one ARPI, we generally don't recommend a second-line ARPI because a very limited chance of response. We much prefer a accessing a systemic agent which has a alternate mechanism of action. When we look at the survival gains with either docetaxel or radium-223, the survival gains are actually quite comparable with a, a roughly 30% improvement in survival with either agent. In prostate cancer, the predominant site of metastatic disease is bone. Approximately 90% of men with MCRPC in both clinical trials do have evidence of bone metastasis. We do see visceral metastases in about 10 to 20% of patients, and those patients would not be eligible for radium-223. An important point to make in MCRPC is we do want to maximize lines of therapy. We know the more lines of therapy we can add for patients, the longer is the survival. So considering patients who are chemo-eligible and eligible for radium-223 at the time of development of symptomatic bone metastasis, so there is a bit of a window opportunity to use radium-223 and potentially extend the overall survival for the patient. If we look at some Canadian real-world data, the patients who have five to six cycles of radium-223 compared to fewer cycles have much better survival. If you treat the patients earlier when they're a little less symptomatic, rather than waiting till the patient has too much symptom burden, maximizes your chance to receive five to six cycles of radium-223, which again has the optimal survival outcome. These are typically patients with better performance level and less symptomatic disease. In the Ontario retrospective study, Reactivate, what we found is that the patients who received radium-223 as a second line had better survival compared to those who received as a third line. The patients did have more prolonged survival if it was used earlier in the disease state. This illustrates very nicely that there is a window of opportunity to consider treatment with radium-223 to maximize the clinical benefit. If we wait too long in the progression of MCRPC, a patient will eventually develop visceral metastases and they also have an increasing symptom burden. Once the patient has visceral metastases, they're no longer eligible for radium-223. 
if we want to maximize lines of therapy to potentially give the most prolonged survival for the patient, we should be considering radium T23 earlier in the disease state, the time of first progression after an ARPI or at second line, rather than waiting to third or fourth line where they're very likely having visceral metastases where they're no longer eligible for radium-223. So in seeing our patient who's progressing now after an ARPI, we have to make a decision as to which treatment we're going to recommend radium-223 versus docetaxel. Radium-223 is typically used in a patient who has symptomatic bone metastases. They can't have bulky nodal metastases, and they can't have evidence of visceral metastases. They also should have good uh, hematologic function with no evidence of significant anemia. Patients were considering more for chemotherapy, the patient with very rapid progression, they have visceral metastases. Any patient with visceral metastases should be considered for docetaxel. If they also have some poor prognostic markers, such as a very limited duration of response to ADT or ARPI, if they have markedly elevated LDH, if they have extensive bulky nodal metastases, these are all patients we'd consider for docetaxel. If the patient is eligible for both chemotherapy and radium-223, we often will offer both options to the patient. And then based on a discussion about potential side effects of chemotherapy versus radium-223, that patient then helps make a joint decision with us. Many of those patients often consider a treatment with radium-223 because it's favorable side effect profile, as well as its survival gains, which are quite comparable to docetaxel. So if we look at the subsequent line of therapies, if the patient had docetaxel, the subsequent third line of therapy can be radium-223. It could be re-challenged with a taxane, especially if they had a durable response to the initial docetaxel. They could be considered for a lapper, but they have a BRCA mutation. And if they have PSMA-AVID disease, they could be considered for lutetium PSMA radial ligand therapy. If we look at a patient who had a second line, radium-223, the patient still has taxanes as an option. And if we look at patients in the LSEMCA trial who had either placebo versus radium, and then subsequently had chemotherapy, the rates of cytopenias were quite comparable. So again, radium-223 as second line therapy does not negate future chemotherapy. Similarly, if they have PSMA-AVID disease, they could be considered for lutetium PSMA radial ligand therapy. If we look at the role of radionuclide therapy, whether it be radium-223 or lutetium PSMA radial ligand therapy, there are certain patient characteristics which are suitable for either treatment. Patients suitable for radium-223 could either be docetaxel naive or docetaxel pretreated. They have to have bone dominant disease with or without limited nodal metastases, and they cannot have visceral metastases. For the lutetium PSMA radial ligand therapy, the patient has had to have had prior ARPI, as well as chemotherapy treatment. They have to have PSMA-AVID disease on PET scan, and they can have visceral metastases. If we look at the vision phase 3 trial in MCRPC, the patients had to be PSMA PET positive, and they had to have had prior taxane and ARPI therapy to be eligible. Patients were then randomized to radioligand therapy versus best support of care. Tishim PSMA radial ligand therapy improves survival by about four months. And this is actually quite comparable to what we see with either docetaxel or, or radium-223. Interestingly, about 17% of the patients had had prior treatment with radium-223. The OS and RPFS benefits were positive in both subgroups of patients who had perceived prior radium-223 or those who had not. 
Similar in the patients who received the DSMA radioligand therapy, rates of cytopenias were comparable with those patients who'd had prior radium-223 versus not. Thus, prior treatment with radium-223 does not negate future lutetium PSMA radioligand therapy. The RELU study is a retrospective cohort chart review which looked at the safety of treatment with lutetium PSMA radioligand therapy and those who had been previously treated with radium-223. This study did demonstrate that patients could safely be treated with subsequent lutetium PSMA radioligand therapy if they'd had prior radium-223. This data supports that sequential multiple lines of therapy are safe and, again, lend support to using radium-223 earlier in the disease as that we can potentially maximize lines of therapy for patients. So data from numerous trials as well as retrospective cohorts have not supported second-line ARPI use in a patient progressing after a first-line ARPI. Response durations are very limited, and there's really no other meaningful clinical benefit of switching to a second-line ARPI in patients progressing after first-line. Studies have certainly supported the efficacy of docetaxel by progression of an ARPI. Similarly, there's actually a significant survival benefit of radium-223 in patients who are progressing on our ARPI. Survival gains are quite comparable to what we see with docetaxel chemotherapy. There are a number of real-world studies, including Canadian data, which show earlier radium use has a higher probability of completing five to six cycles of radium-223 and better overall survival compared to using radium-223 at a later time point. Another important point to make in MCRPC is approximately half of patients are not eligible for chemotherapy in Canada, as is based on age, performance level, and medical comorbidities. Thus, radium-223 is a very attractive second-line therapy in those patients progressing after ARPI. This has been an activity published by Pure Voice.